This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Ferminger, and today I'm going to tell you about a murder, specifically the murder of Amanda Summers in a dying mining town far, far away in British Columbia. No, I haven't turned into a true crime podcast, although I admittedly listen to my fair share of true crime, as well as fictional true crime podcasts, that unique genre where the worlds of true crime and imagination joyfully collide to create some top-tier theater for the mind. I am delighted to tell you about one such project, Ghost Town Killer. The six-part series follows supernatural podcaster Lilith Black as she investigates the murder of her sister in their isolated hometown, where she tackles with family secrets, millionaires and lowlifes, the ghost of a serial killer, and an intuitive detective from Japan. It is so freaking good. Okay, yes. I am the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I cover the film and television industry. So why the heck am I talking about Ghost Town Killer? Well, because it's a homegrown production that features the voice talents of some of the film and television industry's finest thespians, including Delila Bella, Johanna Newmarch, Hiro Kanagawa, Dakota Dalby, Matthew McCall, Curtis Lum, Emily Tennant, and Olivia Chang. Today, I am joined by the dynamic duo behind Ghost Town Killer, Jeremy Letter and Marcy Waftel, to discuss the hows and whys and WTFs of everyone's newest favorite fictional true crime show. Marcy, Jeremy, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you for having us. That was a very, very warm welcome. Listening to this, um, I was reminded... uh, of how much, how large a role podcasts have played in my life in the last 16 months. And, you know, specifically the, the top notch narrative podcasts and my jams are really like murder and supernatural or supernatural murders. Also like, that's just, that's my kind of, that's my jam. And I'm just, I'm wondering where COVID fits into the development of this project. Like, was it already in development before COVID hit, or was this a project that was born of the pandemic? Um, both, uh, both actually. It was a yeah. thing that we had um, written a bunch of notes about, um, this idea of having a murderer in a, a small town inspired by, we had done some research about BC, which is very, has a lot of ghost towns per capita compared to other places in the world, and is intrigued by this place called Valley of the Ghosts, where they're um, in British Columbia, where they have all these um towns and then uh the character in the show was a a or is rather a podcast person and then because of the pandemic uh we wanted to do a creative project 
in the month or, you know, uh, that was safe to do. Um, yeah. uh, and we kind of made the decision super early on that we wanted to record remotely. And, yeah. um, we're both, um, big podcast listeners. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Limetown and a huge fan of, um, the wrongfully accused murder, um, mm. like true crime shows. I just, I can't, they, I, they get me every time. Yeah. <laughs> like that person didn't do it. Why are they? Um, yeah. He gets very wrapped up in those ones. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. I've, I'm in the same kind of space. Um, so while the rest of us were watching Tiger King and baking sourdough, you were putting together this, this project. Yeah, Marcy and I yeah. we really hit the ground running like as soon as, um, I mean, I guess it was kind of a, our New Year's resolution to do something. And then the, yeah. the goalposts of that changed very fast. Yeah, right before... Uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day weekend, kind of when everything, when shit really got real. Yeah. Um, we sat down and we looked at our to-do lists for the year and we were like, oh, um, film a short. Probably not going to do that. Uh, go and network in Toronto again. Probably not going to do that. Um, and then we kind of just had to reassess and see what we could do. Um, yeah. yeah. I think another big push towards this project in particular is uh, its theme of uh, fact versus belief, mm. um, which I think was something that we were really grappling with. Um, I think I would say all over the world um, before the before COVID, and then it really, really kind of came to the forefront uh, during the pandemic when you had people who were like, "There's no pandemic." And it's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I know you'd yeah. like to believe that there's no pandemic, but the fact is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was really like the idea of truth plays really big as a theme throughout the Ghost Town Killer for us yeah. anyway. So it'd be like an update to the detective genre. Mm. I mean, that started like a very long time ago, about the same time as the scientific rev revolution. And then yeah. like this idea of finding evidence and like um, scientific fact. And then they also started telling the detective story around the same time. Yeah, And now we've almost come full circle into this like post-truth world where like people's beliefs are more important than facts. And like, I can't like, what would Sherlock Holmes be like today if he found all this evidence and people were like, yeah, but, mm. <laughs> like, but this so guy in his blog said this other thing. And so, yeah, it's like what you, your the truth can be curated from your own beliefs and what you choose to expose yourself to. Yeah. It's maddening. I yeah, hope it's not, that's just not the way it's going to be for all time though. I hope so. I mean, belief yeah. plays a function in culture too, like actually digging in and thinking about this, like beliefs are important. Like we have the belief that the, um, that the COVID is going to get better. Right. Mm. But like you need that leap of faith to believe something and it does have positive outcomes sometimes. Like yeah. you can't always know everything in the thing. So like it does, it's just a balancing act in that yeah. like every single character in ghost town um, we tried to write has a belief that is untrue. I mean, I don't want to ruin them all in the thing, but I think every character we sat down and said, what is the one thing that this character believes that actually isn't mm -hmm. true? And is this good or bad? And like, how does it affect their life? Um, before we get into talking about the characters and honestly, the actors who I really want to celebrate uh, today and their performances, um, can, can you talk to me a little bit more about this this the the valley of what what is what did you call it again the, oh, the valley. valley of ghosts um, the valley a, of ghosts so that is a real thing it is a in real British place Columbia. in the yeah. lower Kootenays. um it is an area bc had um a very uh uh poor like city structure so it was very easy to make towns and they've since fixed it 
um, yeah. politically. I don't know exactly what they did, but it was very easy for company towns to spring up mm. and then not like be forced to do the supports to make a town actually survive. Right. So we have a lot of towns that, and some of them quite big, like um, one of the models that the, the town in the film is called Port Macbeth and it's a fictional place, yeah. but it was like modeled after a lot of ones that we had read about. Cassier. Yeah, Cass, Cassier was the one up north uh -huh. that actually like had two schools and a field hospital and like yeah. and the town just vanished. Like it was set yeah. around to mine and when the, the mining um, no longer became profitable, the entire town just right. disappeared. And the yeah. thing that you, so like what a dramatic setting for a story, like a place that is, that is in the midst of disappearing. And now I just I just noticed, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but you said film when you talked about ghost town killer oh. is that oh. how <laughs> is is that is that like is a film is something that that like do you foresee a film version of this in the future did you look when you were when you were making this did you just talk about it as if it was a film like tell me tell me about that <laughs> slip it's a slip. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to watch your podcast. That's been a common thing from film friends of mine to say, yeah. which I don't correct. I mean, it's just the way that I'm used to talking about creating things. So it's kind of a generic word that I use. And I mean, I don't like I don't shoot on film and I still use the word yeah. the thing, film. But like, yeah, I would love to see a visual version of this mm -hmm. story made. I mean, while we were doing the podcast, um, we really delve in deep about audio dramas and mm. geeked out about that, trying to make it the best like audio drama that we could. Yeah, because you have sat like it's it's you've got sound effects like you really bring people into you know the the world of 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 this town and of of Lilith's investigation um, in a way yeah, that really reminded me of those you know detective dramas from like the '30s and '40s you know the radio dramas but very much rooted in this moment right now. Yeah, no, we were definitely modeling it after like those true life. Um, things like serial or whatnot mm -hmm. and trying to get something yeah. that sounded like it was recorded real in terms of like it had mixed audio qualities and it wasn't like a little rough around the edges and like yeah we definitely wanted it to um feel like it was set in that valley of the ghost place yeah. and um we, we i've marcy and i had both um traveled to different ghost towns um, she went up to ocean falls yeah yeah ocean falls is cool it is um uh, oh, I can't remember the exact inlet, but it's kind of like central BC coast. Uh, it used to be a, uh, I think there was like a big hydro dam there before. Mm -hmm. And so the town was owned by BC Hydro. Um, and it was the same thing, like pretty much disappeared overnight. And mm -hmm. you can go up there. Uh, there's boat only access. <laughs> and you can go up and walk around and there's like whole, there's a whole apartment building. There's a massive hotel that's just been like abandoned and has yeah. kind of gone back to nature like uh, probably four or five different residential streets of these houses that have just started caving in on themselves um yeah it was very wild there's actually a couple of people that live in that one so it's really interesting yeah yeah what what was the what was like what lesson do you think that that we can learn from those towns, from the existence of those towns and, you know, the ways in which they were built and then abandoned. I mean, that, and that is something that is a, is a theme in this. Yeah. In it's this the idea of home. I think well. like the idea yeah. of that a place really is mm -hmm. more than just an economic like um, thing. And that I think that there isn't enough care or, I mean, they're trying to address it now. I think they've changed something about the city structure, but like the, yeah. 
Um, just the, the idea of a place really is like more than just a place that you work. It's yeah. like it holds some like um, meaning or value, like as a, mm. you know, that you've been should look after your home and like it shouldn't just be a, a thing. And it's just, yeah, it's kind of, I think it question, yeah, it raises questions about what, what does home mean to you? And is it just a place that you're working or is it more than that? And if it's more than that, then they should put some value like in, in looking after that, if that makes any sense. But yeah, it, definitely. like It does. It does. And I love that. Like we're talking about the nature of the philosophy of home. This is a, this is a radio. I said that in quotation <laughs> marks, a radio drama about supernatural and, and murder, you know, with some really, like what an awesome diverse cast of characters. When I say diverse, I mean it in all senses of the word. Um, there are no, no two characters that are really alike in this. And so let's talk about your, these uh, like Vancouver screen scene, like legends, you know, that you've, that you are showcasing, whose talents, your vocal talents that you're showcasing uh, in this. Um, let's beginning with uh, Delilah. Is it Delilah yeah. or Delilah? Uh, Delila. Delila. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. yeah um, Delila. I had shot a short film with her many, many years ago called Joanna Makes a Friend. It was a, one of those Whistler Empia shorts. Hmm. And um, I, she had gone off to um, star in The Odd Squad, which is a PBS show, and then yeah. play Anne's friend on Anne with an E. And uh, I hadn't talked to her in a very long time and um, had this project. And I was like, you know, it'd be really good for this on the thing and sent her an email and then said, Hey, like I got to pitch you a project. And then she wanted to do it. And like, we hadn't talked, it was weird talking to her cause I hadn't talked to her since she was a kid and the thing. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like, <laughs> like, you know, that's such a, so yeah, that's how I knew her. Um, yeah. We had shot that film together and I, she was an amazing actor when she was young and she still is now yeah. on the thing. And then the rest of the cast was just people who I'd either worked with before or always wanted to. Um, Dakota and Matt played brothers in this um, indie film called Black Fly. Black Fly. I loved. And like, that I, is an incredible, incredible, that's a Jason Bork joint. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I Everybody should see it. <laughs> that I wanted to work with them after watching that movie. And then yeah. this project came up and strangely cast them as brothers. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing again. And um, yeah. what, what do you think about them when they were going oh, on yeah. that first? I love the, they had like great brother chemistry. Um, when we did our, so everyone was recorded remotely. Yeah. Um, and we went over the scenes uh, most of the time with uh, the two actors over Zoom. Um, and so when we had Matt and Dakota, like even just through Zoom, like they were kind of acting like an older brother, younger brother, like mm -hmm. ribbing each other a bit. And uh, yeah, good brother chemistry there. <laughs> and and Hero, awesome. I had always wanted to work with. And we basically like wrote the part with him in mind. Yeah. And then, um, sent it off to his agent and then he, he liked it and we did a call and I think I was a little bit I don't often get like starstruck or other thing but for some reason I was slightly nervous talking to him I, mm. I don't know why but he was like such the nice guy like is it because I, he's a legend yeah something yeah. like that he's a legend like, I just remember that the conversation went the exact opposite of the way that I thought it was going to go in my mind and that he was yeah. so laid back like his thing um yeah He's, a, he's definitely, he's an artist as well. He's a writer, you know, he's, um, yeah. He, when I interviewed him, he's like the coolest guy. <laughs> like he's one of the coolest humans that I've ever spoken to. Um, yeah, his, and his character in the show is like playing basically the Sherlock Holmes um, character or like the, the seasoned detective, which is the a staple of these like um, yeah. murder mystery things. Mm -hmm. And he's a bit like, you know, uh, 
a fish out of water and that he cares about the truth and maybe people don't anymore. And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he did that very well. What kind of challenge challenges uh, I'm assuming did you face producing this series? Um, It it was hard. We had never made anything remotely before. Mm -hmm. If this wasn't COVID, I probably would have tried to organize a table read and like, I like chemistry and like, um, feeling things out because acting is mostly about reacting in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah the thing but like this was totally weird and that we recorded everyone remotely and i we just asked people like um how they wanted to do it like i was mm-hmm. like I, we're here to facilitate the best performance like how are you guys feeling about it and some of them had never done audio things before and it was like a lot of doing things differently mm-hmm. with every scene like if the character if the actor felt like the character um wouldn't listen to the other people and was kind of in their own bubble. They'd just be like, Oh, I just want to record my lines on my own. And I don't want to hear anyone else's lines. Cause my character totally wouldn't care what they'd said anyway. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then like played those lines for the other actors to react off. And like uh, other ones, yeah. like if the scene was intimate setting up like zoom things where we would record in the moment. And, um, or if it was a telephone conversation, just getting them to call each other and then hit record hmm. on the thing or like just trying to figure out how to make the sound sound right. And um, didn't yeah. didn't want it to sound like a BBC radio drama. No offense to BBC radio dramas, but the, didn't want it to record like sound like it was all recorded in the studio. So it was yeah. a lot of trying to convince them to do poor audio recordings. Yeah, because actors have gotten so good at doing auditions that like their things sounded perfect. <laughs> and then I was just like, just step like the scene is supposed to be recorded across the room. Like just step away from the thing and like say your lines like from a few feet away like i want to hear the room tone like <laughs> you're like don't you listen to like. podcasts that's a true crime <laughs> podcast <laughs> yeah like the recordings of the things are never that good but it kind of feels right you know like yeah. like matt did this yeah. scene where he just walked around the room and talked and like sometimes you couldn't quite hear what he was saying in the thing but like oh, it just so it was true to form right like that's probably the way it would have been recorded in the yeah. thing and it just sounded right yeah now i i will not I'm not going to say anything about who done it or what done it or anything. However, I, I got to know, do you, are you already at work scripting out a season two? Because <laughs> yeah. I have some follow-up questions. There's some people that I, that I care about that I want to know what happens to them. Yeah, it was, it was definitely left open-ended uh, in terms of like uh, that the story uh, goes on or feels like it goes on. So yeah, um, definitely uh, I'm working on that. Yeah. Okay, okay. So how do you think, I mean, this is this is not your first project ever, but as from, to my knowledge, this is your first uh, audio fiction podcast. Um, how do you think that this project and working on this project and, and the unconventional way that that you recorded everybody and the story you told. How do you think this is going to change you as storytellers moving forward? Oh, I, I would say it's already changed me in that I, um, like, it was just the two of us really driving the creative vision of the project. Um, whereas to make films happen, normally you need to get executive producers. Mm. Um, it doesn't happen so much in Canada, but sometimes you can lose a bit of creative control or you're basically taking your vision and handing it to someone else, which is more common for me as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this, like we uh, had our vision and we stuck to it, like from start to finish, like from like page to a finished series. And it was, um, yeah, I feel like it gave me a lot of confidence in 
in our storytelling um, and in my storytelling um, and the way that I approach projects and um, how protective I think I would be over my creative control mm. going forward. Um, and for me, uh, I actually started shooting music videos, which is like the exact opposite of doing a podcast where you're handed an audio track <laughs> and you just make visuals to it. Yeah. And that definitely informed the kind of filmmaker that I was. And I didn't really realize that until doing this project. And it was kind of like I was underserving audio in the thing. I totally was like I just like when I get to do a film, it's like because I've done so many music videos, I'm all like color palettes, these things I'm like. I yeah. try and work them into the script or the thing. And I'm like, oh, like the audio is actually, I mean, I knew it was a huge compartment and it's not like I completely ignored it, but it was just when you take away that and all you're left with audio, it was like, um, I feel like I'd come full circle in terms of like audio is such a huge part of the storytelling. And I'm de definitely going to think about that mm -hmm. a lot more when I'm doing um, those visual projects or the scripts or like thinking about a scene just from an audio perspective. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, and it was also interesting how well audio got across ideas because mm. our first version of the script was very, I guess I would call it overwritten mm -hmm. where like the, we thought we needed narration to tell what was going on mm -hmm. in a scene. And it really was unnecessary. Like the audio, some footsteps and a door opening and like, you know where you are, like just the certain kind of sounds Put you in certain kind of places mm. and the descriptions yeah. was not most of it yeah we removed like 90 percent of the of the what we would call like narrative things because audio just really transports people in a way and um yeah i definitely appreciate that uh more than i yeah. did before so the yeah. next um, visual project i do i think a lot about like how this plays just with audio or that sort of thing yeah it was really um did i say eye opening or ear opening uh <laughs> just uh, how clear of a mental image you can create with just really great sound design and really great performances. It's great. Like just boiling it down and like doing a scene just with actors and letting them yeah. act in the terms of like, it was kind of like storytelling in its raw form, like campfire storytelling almost. Yeah. So that was cool. Hmm. I'm going to ask you each a kind of a difficult question, maybe an unfair question, but I don't know. It's my show. Um, I get to do that. So, who is your favorite character in Ghost Town Killer? Oh, wow. Oh, no. That's like asking you what your favorite kid oh, is. Oh, no. This is so hard. I, um, I love to know, ask this question. <laughs> it's actually um, Ja or Gia, uh, Curtis's yeah, character. Yeah, Curtis, for me. okay. I don't know why. Like, it, there was something about his, like, uh, we tried to always give him funny lines or make him a bit sarcastic. Mm -hmm. And the thing, and I don't know, he just has some great one-liner. And he also feels a bit, um, I don't want to say, like, just slightly out of sync with the rest of the characters, but he also went to Hong Kong and came back and was supposed to mm. in, in terms of that. But I don't know, there was something about his line, like, some of the best lines in the thing I thought were his, I don't know yeah. why. And they were the hardest to write. I don't know if I'm, just, maybe I'm inherently not a funny person. So I was uh, just trying to be like, ah, oh, could this be funnier? What would, like, the thing say? Um yeah, for, so that, that's my answer, that's which is strange. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is hard. Um, I guess I would say uh, Dalila's character, Lilith. Yeah. Like, it always comes back to Lilith for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, like, the amount of heavy lifting that she had to do throughout this entire project. Um, and every scene is just so so on point um and 
yeah, the emotion that she brought to that character. Um, there's, I, again, without spoiling anything, like, you know, the scene where it's kind of like the darkest moment for her. Uh, that was like, every time I hear that, I was like, oh, wow, that, that was some acting. <laughs> that was <Yeah>. something. <laughs> I did think that a few times through. I was like, that was some acting. Yeah, it was a tough <laughs> question. I mean, who was your favorite character in the, in the thing? I, I feel like I, oh. once I thank her, it's, I was like, oh, I should have said the cannibal killer guy. Oh, yeah, he's Gabriel great, did such too. a good job of that. And like, yeah. the <laughs> thing and was like, yeah. Uh, Tiffany yeah. and, uh, and Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, because also um, knowing those women uh, and the kind of the, the nuance, you know, that, that they bring. uh, Yeah. I I just, but I don't want to say it's it's hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about because you don't want to give spoilers. And that really is. Well, we can give sort of like, I guess for the audience. So yeah. Um, the Tiffany character is played by Joanna Newmarsh. She is like the mayor of the town who also runs a radio show. Mm-hmm. And to us, she is like um, Donald Trump meets Tanya Harding. She was like an Olympic medalist yes, that kind of yes. put the town on the map. Um, she's like the only famous person from Fort Macbeth or whatever because yeah. she won a medal at the Olympics. Yeah, I was and getting it, Tucker Carlson vibes from yeah, her. Yeah, and for she sure. like um, yeah. puts the town on the map and like kind of uses that to become mayor of the town and like, yeah, to us, she's a bit, bit of a, like, uh, uh, you know, about truth yeah. about, you know, having listened to Donald Trump spew lies for like all oh, the yeah. years <laughs> just had. And like, I just remember Johanna in the recording session, she goes, this is so weird. Cause like, there's a bit of like that Donald Trump thing in where he like puts in all these weird adjectives that sound like he's a kid or whatever. Like it was yeah. a very, very bad man. Like, but just to say it's so yeah. <laughs> nobody talks like that. Yeah. That's it's why there are thing. people who yeah. are convinced that he's an alien. Um, yeah, like, because he doesn't speak like he's from yeah. Earth. <laughs> Joanna was like, "The script is so unnatural." <laughs> and the thing, I was like, it was modeled after like the a little bit after the way Donald Trump talks because yeah. like his sentences are so weird. Like yeah. in terms of we got like it, it's there subtly because yeah. if not, it'd be like I too think, weird. Yeah, after our third or fourth draft, she was still sounding a bit too normal. So um, we subjected ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, we, the character, um, we hadn't recorded with Johanna yet, but um, we subjected ourselves to uh, like an hour of watching the way that Donald Trump speaks oh, <laughs> and doing yeah. another pass. Poor and like, even humans. as I was writing it, I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like the things that this character is saying now, but like, I'm going off of a real life example. Yeah. Wow. And, and Olivia yeah. Um, played um, Lucy, who is Lucy. the mine owner of the town, who has inherited this mm-hmm. mine from her father. And she's um, wealthy, but her family came to Canada poor and built this mine up from nothing mm-hmm. and um, feels like a, a fish out of water as well, being that she's one of the only Asian Canadians in this um, uh, very conservative mm-hmm. town. And because she's also wealthy um, in the thing, not very well liked in, mm-hmm. in terms of the thing. And I think she really like, and you ex- like the way her character is introduced in the first episode, which is, I think, the thing that Olivia really liked about it was that she's chopping wood, which is not a yeah. thing that you'd expect like a rich person to be doing when you meet them in their mansion. Yeah. The thing is out like actually chopping wood because she really is a like middle class person. Like salt of the earth. Yeah. 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 And um, to try and get that um, across in the thing. So, yeah, she um, gave some of the like uh, in episode two, which mm-hmm. comes out soon. Uh, she has a really good speech about um, her uh, backstory or whatever and that was probably one of the best scenes of the thing yeah, for sure. yeah. 
Okay, so I I'm going to be shouting about this series way more on social media um, because I really want more people to listen to it in my life so that I can talk to them about it because it's my favorite <laughs> thing. Um, but where can where can people find the show, uh, follow along, talk to other people about it if they want to? Like, where would you say are the places to go to find Ghost Town Killer? Um, we've been pretty active on Instagram just from our personal accounts. Yeah. Um, and same with our cast. Uh, we've been using hashtag Ghost Town Killer. Okay. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And the show is available on all major um podcast platform so okay. spotify apple Podcasts, stitcher and it can also be listened to off ghosttownkiller.com uh, i have a player from yeah. a red circle right on there so if you don't nice. if you're not signed up for any of those things um you can just go to ghosttownkiller.com and all the episodes will also be there mm -hmm. fantastic um, okay and i'm crossing my fingers and my toes and my ears and anything that i can imagine crossing for season I got, two <laughs> i gotta tell you this story though about revelstoke on the thing when we were talking about small towns we were driving mm -hmm. around and revelstoke is featured in the show as well because it's like the nearest town to it and we felt that we needed to go there just to, like i hadn't been there since i was a kid yeah uh, and so in the pandemic when they lowered the uh, restrictions in the summer we uh, went out to revelstoke and then Marcy had checked us into this um, motel that had a, she said, a touchless entry system. Yeah, it was touchless entry. And this thing. And we we're like, oh, wow, touchless entry. <laughs> I was we like, don't do I need, need an to... app on my phone or. Uh... And, and we go to this motel and the front desk has a zip line from the front desk out to the front of the thing. And they put the papers on the zip line and push them and they go and then stop. And you take them off yeah. the thing, fill it in, put it back on the zip line and then push it back and go. And that is their yeah. touchless. <laughs> entry system in the thing. It was quite... <laughs> and see, then I knew I was in Revelstoke. Yeah. Like, I need to rewrite part of this thing. It was just so... The place was so charming. <laughs> that way. Wow. I mean, that that. it's technically true. <laughs> technically, yeah, was, the touch... There's <laughs> no touching for the entering... The oh, ingenuity. My. In yeah. a smaller communities <laughs> or whatnot. Wow. I mean, it came from where was the nearest hospital, probably, and like the nearest hospital in the area was in Revelstoke. And um, mm -hmm. so it just felt because some of it took place there. We felt yeah. we needed to go. And it definitely had a different vibe. It's a murder mystery. Picturing. You need a hospital in the yeah. series. <laughs> and I also yeah. saw my first bear in Revelstoke, which is another Canadian experience. I'd never seen one before. And uh, it was uh, late at night and we were, had, had dinner and we we're heading back to the place. And then I was like, what is that thing over there? Is that a guy in a costume? I turned and Marcy's like, no, I think that's a bear. And I'm like, oh, wow, it is a bear. And it's just kind of walking around down the street. And like, should we warn people about this? I don't like, feel like I should yeah. be running down the street the being like, good. there's a bear. Bear, and like, bear. Oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah, we know that's yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And so listeners, uh, you can get a flavor of the valley of the, what, what did yep. I keep getting? Valley of the, the valley yeah. of the ghosts. Um, when you listen to ghost town killer on Apple podcasts and everywhere you enjoy fine podcasts and also at ghosttownkiller.com. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Please check it out. Okay. We, it's a six episode series. Yeah, and I am I am one of the only people on the planet who has listened to all six episodes. So please listen. I am dying to talk to you about it. And <laughs> you can you can tweet your reactions at me at Sabrina Arf because I just I want to hear I want to hear it all. Marcy Waftel, Jeremy Letter, Letcher, 
like butter. Love it. Where yeah. can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on the social meds? Uh, I, I have a website, jeremyletter.com, and I'm on like uh, Twitter and Instagram um, as my name. As I was your name. peer pressured into it. Uh, everyone else at film festivals always like trades their Instagrams. And then yeah. I was at some film festival. And I was like, you know what? God, I'm going to sign up for it about the thing. So yeah, I'm on all of those things. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, both under Marcy Wachtel. So just at Marcy, last name is spelled W-A-U-G-H-T-A-L. Perfect. And I will have links to everything, everything except yeah. all the episodes. Um, but the ones that are out, they will be in the footnotes for this episode. Thank you both very, very much. Yeah, thank you for having oh, yeah. us. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, thank you for giving me my my new favorite obsession. Honestly, <laughs> I love I love talking to people about. I'm I, I'm gonna be honestly. I have to leave very soon. I'm gonna be yelling about Ghost Town Killer on the street. Who knows? You might hear a police report about me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that will give us something for season two. Then I think. In terms of yeah, I'm also a sucker for uh, murder mysteries and whodunits. I love them. Which was this is our first like foray into that space. Mm. But having listened to it. Are, are, are having listened to lots of them in the past are happy to do a whodunit for sure Ooh. all right we'll leave you with that with that intriguing thought all right thank you to you both thank you to our listeners please like and subscribe if you are so inclined they help us find even more listeners you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com follow us on twitter and facebook and instagram at yvrscreenscene the yvr screen scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me Sabrina Ronnie Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger Davile, for the original music. Why We Are Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com. <laughs>